Hi guys. <laughs> Hi guys. <laughs> this week is the last episode of the series, but it's split into two podcasts. So this is part one and part two. I've decided to cease the Agony Aunt editions. So next series is just going to go back to the interview episodes of which this is one. This week's podcast and next week's podcast have some fantastic Patreon exclusive bits. So I am actually going to be interviewed with a series of quite probing questions by this week's guest. So if you want to get access to that, just go to patreon.com forward slash dating my mates. And you'll also get the whole back catalogue of Agony Aunt questions and Patreon exclusive questions that are posed to my guests. And with that, we'll crack on, shall we? Do you change your tampon every time you have a wee? No. No, I didn't think people did that, but I do it. Uh, are you, when I used to use pads, because I just felt weird, like, putting period back on funny. Interesting. I don't change my pad, but I always change my tampon when I have a wee, because I feel like it gets wet, and then you've got a wee in your fanny. Oh, well, I, pulled, I used to pull the string out of the way so I didn't wee on it. That's so clever. Welcome to Dating My Mates, the podcast with me, Katrina E. Lawrence, a podcast where I fire my arsenal of questions, usually reserved for poor, unwitting dates, at one of my mates. And this week, it's the Valentine's special two-parter with the one guest that wasn't a friend before I interviewed them, but is now my best friend. Welcome back. To my V Day gal, it's Joe. Hi, Joe. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Oh, how are you? Oh, amazing. And as I said to you before, slightly <laughs> nervous. <laughs> oh, it's so cute and funny though, because we talk all, all the time. <laughs> yeah, like at length video calls voice notes constantly um but yeah it's just it feels datey I kind of wish that I'd got made up for this I'm a bit disappointed I'm looking at my face and I'm like I really wish well as you know I got into my pajamas for this date which <laughs> says what kind of a gal I am <laughs> I love that you feel that comfortable around me. of course but I asked you I, I knew straight away that for the Valentine's Day special I wanted you on because we fell head over heels in love with one another after we did our episode and I just wanted to yeah basically rejoice in our love and you and all of that gushy lovely stuff oh I know it's so cute like how many times do you get the first time you meet somebody who yeah. becomes a great friend captured like a hot like our first four hour long conversation <laughs> thankfully for all the listeners Kat <laughs> did some great editing and put all that down for you but um like to have that captured and recorded and it's so funny to listen back as well because we've talked about it haven't we how there was like little moments yeah definitely where we were kind of being careful with each other yeah 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 because yeah. Yeah. I other. just I um, <laughs> refrain from taking the piss out of all the things you love and how earnest you are <laughs> And that was the thing that I was most worried about. And I had told you about that in advance. So maybe that was part of the reason. No, you didn't. You told me after. Because you were like, oh, from what I heard of you on the podcast, I thought you were going to be like this. And I was like, oh, no, I I purposefully stopped myself because I didn't want to, because I didn't know you. Yeah, and I'm like so painfully earnest. It just oozes out of me. (laughs) Yeah, but now you keep taking the piss out of me for being earnest. I mean, I guess I kind of always knew. I just didn't have a word for it. And I think I was searching for it. And I was like, oh, that's what it is. That's like the opposite yeah. of cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I then I fell in love with another person. And you were like, you've got all earnest. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to watch your transformation from like cynical and cool to like earnest and in love. <laughs> I'm still cool, guys, I promise. 
Not a cool fucking bone in everybody. Not at all, never. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we've... Um, do you mind me saying that we've both fallen in love romantically since, no, since we ahead. spoke? Which is... I mean, you were... We've synced it up really well. Like you, you went on your first date really did, two like, weeks before. Two weeks. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's. I I don't know. It's weird because I don't normally talk about my like relationships publicly, only because I've done it in the past and it's always just fucking crashed and burned. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just the earnestness. It can't be held in this time. That's good. I like just, it. I like it. Yeah. And it feels like it feels good and it feels real and like solid and secure. So it's, yeah, it's nice to talk about. Yeah. I mean, it's 90% of our conversations, (laughs) (laughs) which is embarrassing, but you know, you know, it's cool. It's fine. (laughs) But I think it's because you don't want to share it with people that aren't in that space because it's just fucking annoying. So when you find someone who's basically on the same trajectory, the trajectory <laughs> hey as you are <laughs> then it's nice to talk about isn't it yeah I think I think it def well I mean we think in a lot of the same ways I think about relationships yeah. and we've done and a lot of the same work our relationships yes we've done a lot of the same work and also our relationships are basically the same age so we're going through a lot of the same like stages mm. together so it's really nice to be kind of moving parallel with someone in that way. Um, but yeah, basically just like boys and bodily functions is what we talk about. So. That's the name of your memoir. And that's how you know it's love. Boys and bodily functions. If I've got anything poo-based, got I'm like, I know who this is going to. <laughs> And you're always so completely, uh, like, oh. so grateful. You're like, thank you for telling me that. I just love talking about poo. Honestly, yeah, toilet humour, poo's farts, send it my way, guys. Like, it just creases me. I And it gets worse the older I get. I get more, more like a child in that Your way. Your DMs are literally going to be full of shit now. <laughs> send them my way please <laughs> it gives me so much joy like I will cry with laughter at a fart joke I am a child I can attest to that it's very very true <laughs> yeah yeah um so have you have you heard any farts today what's been the highlight and low light of your day thus far <laughs> well She's fucking gone. <laughs> Even the word fart makes her just fucking crease. <laughs> I motley laughs. Um, what was it? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, I don't know if it's like a low light, not today, but last night. So I didn't, uh, so I went to see Idols last night um, and yep. my friend drove and <laughs> I don't, I don't know what happened, but anyway, I was in the car and I think maybe I was putting some tracksuit bottoms on because I go, I like to go to gigs in shorts, hashtag practical. Mm. Um, and yeah. I was putting some tracksuit bottoms on in the car to like keep warm on the way home. And I did let out quite a big fart, which and I don't know if she noticed it or not. And if she did, she didn't say anything. <laughs> um, I, that makes it so much worse. I feel like, <laughs> and I didn't say anything either. I think we both knew it happened, but just didn't mention it. Um, and I think that was just a low light for everybody. Um, so we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It probably was after midnight as well, so it probably just counts today. But we were saying as well with that you going to see Idols last night was a full circle moment because after our first meeting in the last podcast, uh, I played you them for the first time. Yeah, and I then you went them. to see them the night before. Yeah, it's so good. 
it's yeah it's literally a full circle moment because right after the last recording I was driving you home and you were like oh have you heard of idols I think you're gonna really like them and you played them for me and then my friend invited me to this gig last night um and so that's the first time I've ever seen them live and it's really like my first experience of them because I haven't listened to them a whole lot since you introduced me to them and I was like oh my god it is a sign um and now we're recording this episode <laughs> and yeah awesome so yeah nice yeah yeah they're so good I went to see them again for my five-year soberversary as people are calling it I can't think of anything less disgusting to call it but no they're fucking great they're so so good they're so good live Mm -hmm. they're amazing what about your highlight what's your highlight then oh highlight um well, well, I mean, is it wildly cheesy to say to the host having this conversation with you? No, I'm disappointed any time someone just says any different. Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously doing this with you because we've been talking about it for a while and I'm super excited to do this with you. Honestly, haven't had a particularly exciting day up to this point. Oh, I will say I am growing my yeah. hair out. Um, I am I'm growing a little mullet. And this morning, I did notice that there is a, the beginnings of a... There's a tuft. We've got a little tuft. There is a teeny tiny tail. Teeny tiny mullet tail. Bring on the rat's tail. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, the, front, the top is quite long now. It's, like, probably as long as I'm going to get it. I'm going to have it. But, like, when I looked at the back, I'm growing this out from a skin fade. So, from literally nothing. Um, and I saw a teeny yeah, tiny yeah. tail. So, Can't wait to plait your tail. Oh, Wee. <laughs> There's an offer. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was kind of like a mini highlight. So today is a Valentine's Day special and there's lots of sexy, romantic, Valentine's-based questions. But first I want to know, do you even give a shit? Do you care about Valentine's Day? No. Is, the is that from a feminist answer. perspective and an anti-capitalist perspective? No, just from like a, oh, I don't, I just don't actually like it very much. It's weird because I am kind of like an any excuse for a celebration person. Yeah, yeah. Love a celebration, love a party, love a card, love giving people gifts. Like, I love it. I think it's kind of like Valentine's Day for me is a bit like New Year where it seems, the idea of it seems better in my head than it actually has ever been in real life. Um, So I think it's more that. I just think I feel a bit jaded about it. Like, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't, I'm like, ugh. And it just, I don't know. I think it feels a bit too close to Christmas as well. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really tickle me. But if somebody like made an effort and did something really cool and special for Valo's Day. All Valo's Day. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Valo's Day. Um, I, I wouldn't be like, ugh, no, don't do anything for Valentine's Day. I hate it. Don't even acknowledge it. I'm not like that. I'm just not kind of independently excited about it. So do you think that's purely based on the fact that you've had no great Valentine's Day experiences? If you'd have had fantastic Valentine's Days, would you be excited for Valentine's Day? Probably, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's like the thing of like, it's supposed to be a romantic day. And I think Mm. for me, that's kind of the opposite of romance is that it's like contrived. So do you see romance as spontaneity? Romance for me is like, yeah. Yeah, romance for me is, well, I mean, I'm sure we're going to get into this. I kind of think romance is bullshit. But if it's anything to me, it's like spontaneity or surprise or adventure. It's not like, on this day, we will show each other how much we love each other. And we will do it in a room full of other people who are also trying to do the same thing. <laughs> so <laughs> how would you differentiate between... Planning something, planning a romantic, thoughtful gift and giving it to someone for Christmas and planning a thoughtful and romantic gift and giving it to them on Valentine's Day. What makes that different? Because for Valentine's Day, it's supposed to be romantic. Right. And Christmas isn't necessarily romantic. It can be. I mean, Jesus was sexy. 
especially baby Jesus. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I didn't mean that. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so so you is it more that you don't like being told what to do? Is it a bit of that, do you think? Um no, because like with Christmas I get into it, you know, with and I get a bit like sad that people when people don't get into Christmas, like like my parents have sort of given up on decorations and you know, being Christmassy. Mm. And I'm not even like a super Christmassy person, but like I'm I'm happy to like get in the flow of, you know, a holiday or a tradition or a vibe or like whatever. But I don't know. I think there just feels something a bit naff about Valentine's Day. I think it's just that and this again, if somebody did something great for Valentine's Day, mm. I wouldn't be against it because I I'm not against great things, but I think it's that all I can think is just like this like really sad idea of like being sat in a restaurant full of like tables of two of people like trying to be romantic. And obviously everybody in that, and there's, it's always to varying degrees of success Mm. as well. Like maybe some people in that restaurant and even just the idea of sitting in a restaurant with people who are all like meant to be having a romantic time just gives Can me Can I just say space. how fucking funny this is and how much the tables have turned because you are sat there ripping Valentine's Day to pieces being cool about it understanding the naffness of it and I'm here like I fucking love Valentine's Day I fucking love it and the thing is I totally understand everything you're saying and I think for me, I've been burnt by the idealised version of romance. What what a lot of people mistake mm. for romance, which is limerence, which is completely losing your head, which is losing sight of the person that's in front of you, which is not appreciating and celebrating what you actually have between you. It's perhaps celebrating what you wish you had, or it's the uh, the trappings, it's the expensive gifts, it's all of that stuff. But I think for me, I just, I fucking love love. I just love love. And I think that Valentine's Day is such a fun day to honour that. And I think for me, it goes to, you know, for years, the only person I got a Valentine's Day card was from my mum. But it always had a little question mark in it. And it has that level of tradition in my life, I think. And I don't care that when I'm not with someone, I don't get sad about being single. I just send loads of loving things to my friends and messages. And and I think it has been, I think there's still definitely that gross, I would say, misinterpretation of it, which is go and sit in a restaurant and be romantic and spend too much money on food that's probably going to make you feel a bit sick. Like, and then probably not have sex and then have a balloon, and then you don't know what to do with the balloon, all of that sort of stuff. But then I think it's, um, like, just, I just fuck it, I'm just fucking, I love love. Yeah, and I also get all of that. I complete, I do, and I like, as I say, like, I'm, I'm a sucker for, like, any excuse for a celebration. Mm. And I think that's how I used to think about it, was like, oh, I don't know, it's, I've had boyfriends because I had terrible boyfriends who were like, oh, it's just a commercialised, oh, it's just an excuse to spend money, blah, blah, blah. I don't need to do that. I don't need Valentine's Day to tell you that I love you. And I'm like, yeah, but you're also not telling me you love me on the phone all day. <laughs> showing me anyway. So actually, I do really fucking need Valentine's Day, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, but like, I do, I get that whole thing of like, if, and I, I love love too, mm. ops, because mm. I'm earnest as fuck. <laughs> And so why not just have an excuse to celebrate it? Like, oh, we've just decided that this is time in the year when we'll celebrate our loved ones. But I think, I don't know, I think I've just become like more jaded. Mm. But as I say, if somebody did something awesome for Valentine's Day Mm. that I, in my very niche and specific understanding of romance, would appreciate it, I'd be like, yeah, I would be a downed clown and I would love it and I was like I'd be like yeah this is great and as I say I'm not like arbitrarily against 
Valentine's Day as like, if you do this for me for Valentine's Day, I won't appreciate it because it's for Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I just don't think I've ever, maybe once, which I think we'll discuss, but like, I don't think I've ever really had anyone kind of bring it for Valentine's Day. Right. I've only really had awkward experiences of being, and then I'm like, this doesn't, this just doesn't actually work in the same way as like, you always think New Year is going to be incredible. And unless you really, unless you either have a house party, because I love a house party, mm. or you go somewhere incredible, like you fly to some like secret island somewhere. <laughs> New Year's is normally a bit of a No, I fucking hate New Year's. It's the most anticlimactic, like existential exactly. crisis inducing moment of the entire year which then spreads into the first moments of the next year I fucking hate it and all the people that don't know how to go out go out and it's just all these dickheads on coke drinking too much just fucking smashing into you and you're like can you just do one like I found that the least pressure I have on me for new year ideally just staying in I don't want to do anything. I do not want to do anything for the year. I fucking yeah. hate it. I love that. It's the people that don't know how to go out, go out on New Year, because it's a night that you're meant to go yeah. out and have a party and have a good fun time. Mm. And I think it. I kind of have that same feeling for Valentine's Day. It's like people who don't know how to be like romantic and right, spontaneous okay. in the rest of their lives and to be the ones who are like out on valentine's day yes again i'm sure yeah. there are some people who are genuinely out and having a lovely time and but i think people who maybe genuinely love valentine's day in the way that you do are again doing like you're, you're just going to be doing it in a better way i am rather I than am. like that very <laughs> that i know i know you are because now i know you so i know you are but not doing it in that like formulaic way of like book a restaurant Get a bunch of flowers. Yeah. Do you know what I yeah. mean? I'm doing stand-up this Valentine's. I'm fucking shitting myself. Oh, it's going to be great. I'm so nervous. I haven't done it in three years. I'm cacking my pants. It might be, it might be horrific. I might get dumped because he's going to be there. Dumped. He might be like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> You're definitely going to get dumped. You're definitely not going to get dumped. But either way, it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> actually a live dumping would be the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life even if it was me that was the dumpy <laughs> on stage trying to give it large <laughs> I don't know if you'd get booked again but like yeah totally. <laughs> sympathy booking <laughs> amazing how tragic so what would you say makes a great valentine's day then we know that it's not sat in a restaurant with chocolates and a gross little teddy bear. Like, what would make a great Valentine's? Um, I think, well, I guess, like, from the embodiment of romance, which to me is thoughtfulness and an element of surprise. Mm -hmm. Like, something that I'll say to, like, my clients and in my work is, do you want romance or do you want somebody that remembers you're there when you're not right in front of them? Mm -hmm. Because that to me is kind of what romance is. Is like, oh, I saw this and I thought of you, or I planned that you weren't right in front of me the whole time, but I was thinking about you and planning this thing for a couple of weeks in advance. Right. Um, or like, I saw this card. Like, I'm not even super into Valentine's Day, but I saw this card and I knew you would love it, so I I bought it for mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. So for me, it would be like someone who's really thought through something that I would genuinely enjoy and just happens to have like lined it up with Valentine's Day. Like I know you would love to do this thing or go to this place or that you would love this gift. So do you, to, to you is romance feeling understood then and feeling seen and feeling like you, they're thinking about you? Yeah. Yeah. It's thoughtfulness with an element of surprise, which I think is the thing that makes it romantic in my famous air quotes that no one can mm -hmm, say mm -hmm. but I have to <laughs> yeah a very cool thing I do, do all the time um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's you know maybe something that I'm not expecting whether it's the fact that I'm not expecting a gift or I didn't expect someone to kind of go to that level of thought or they've planned something that 
they knew that I liked, but I wouldn't even know that I would like until they presented it to me. Like that to me is the romance. Yeah. That's the like little bit of sparkle on top of someone really knowing you. Mm -hmm. So for you to have a great Valentine's Day, would you want to be in on the planning? Would you want to plant little gifts separately? Would you want someone to surprise you? Like what makes the perfect V-Day? Um, so yeah, I think I would just want it to be a surprise. Mm. I think I prefer that. I prefer someone to just kind of present me with something again, whether it's a present, a card, an experience. Um, yeah, I don't, again, I think like the being in on the planning again, to me, that kind of takes the romance out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. That's more. How would you feel like everyday life if someone did nothing for you? Would you care if someone had, if nothing was done for you on Valentine's Day? If you'd mentioned, oh yeah, I don't really like Valentine's Day, and then nothing was done for you, would you feel disappointed? Um, no, I don't think I would. Interesting. No, not if I'd expressed that I didn't, that I wasn't really into it. Mm. Um, quite interesting mm-hmm. uh, because this is a little. So um, I'm going. I'm about to have. Oh, really? In my relationship, just so that there aren't any mismatched expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're having an anti Valentine's Day, and then he said, "What is an anti Valentine's Day?" And I was like, "We just do everything on Valentine's Day, but the day before Valentine's Day." He was like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, love that. Which is, I mean, it's officially Galentine's, right? Mm. The day before, which which I love. I do love that because I I like the the idea of romancing friends more. Oh my god, same. Because I think we do yeah. we don't do enough of it and I think it's less expected. And so that to me makes it more romantic. And I just think actually throughout most of your life, throughout all of your stupid shit relationships that you've had, it's your mates that have been there for you. So they're the ones that really deserve your outpouring of love mm. and like like I don't know there would just be something so delicious about like receiving a bunch of flowers from a friend as opposed to a boyfriend or a partner because I feel like again it's less expected yeah I think that you know I I knew that this this conversation would easily fall into us talking about the beauty of platonic love and romance in friendships and I definitely romance my friends and I do fall in love platonically with people, like felt head over heels for you. And it's that interesting thing of we've had conversations about in terms of when you fall in love with someone as a friend, it it feels safer, even though you're probably going to be equally or more invested in certain ways and for a much lengthier period of your life. But saying to a new platonic friend I love you is just a lovely thing to do but when it's in a romantic setting it's so much more loaded and weighty and scary yeah it's like there's just it's the pressure and the expectation I think um and it's kind of interesting as well because we're both monogamous and like very much know that's our thing Mm. but you don't have to have you can like have this like depth of love with a friend but you don't expect or need monogamy but you still feel super like safe and secure it's it's so fascinating isn't it how it's like the same it's still love but I don't know it kind of has its own flavor and anyway it's fucking magic so romance your friends yeah and I think for me that's why I wanted to explore kind of the more traditional our our understanding of the kind of traditional romantic side of love in terms of a yeah relationship and I guess most of the conversation will be directed into monogamous relationships because that's what I've had experience of and that's what you've had experience of um but Mm -hmm. I you know I have people in my life that are poly and lots of things under the spectrum of relationships. And I find it all so, so interesting. And particularly people that have romantic relationships with no physical relationship. 
and how that differs from a friendship is really interesting. Um, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to explore the more sort of what what we perceive as romance because I could just gush forever about all of my friends. That's why I've got this fucking podcast because I love all my friends so much and they're all so fucking great. But what would so how would you define romantic love? Um oof. so oh, it's a hard question, Cam. So I think I remember when I was like in my early twenties and I got on my self-development journey mm. and um I was reading all like the entry level books. Mm. Um at the time, I was being coached by a Tony Robbins coach. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just as I have moved on greatly since then. Um, mm. <laughs> but this was like over 10 years ago. Um, and I was in a very, very like dysfunctional relationship with someone who had like narcissistic tendencies. I was deep, deep, deep in my codependency. Mm. And I read um, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, which is cheesy and outdated and gendered and binaries fuck mm. and all of that stuff but that was the first time that I was introduced to the idea of actually communicating to a partner mm. yeah yeah <laughs> um and I remember distinctly thinking no this is not this is not how relationships work or like if this is if this is how relationships work where's the romance there's no romance like if my partner can't read my mind yes oh then what like that's very boring mm. and like what you meant you mean I'm meant to communicate how I feel and what I need what no that's surely not surely that isn't surely people can't keep up that level of effort forever mm-hmm. isn't someone just meant to like know you and obviously as a codependent person who's fucking hyper vigilant mm-hmm. like ridiculous because obviously a lot of what I would what I thought I knew about people was just my assumption and me caretaking them and fucking enabling them all the silly things that we do as codependent people but um I was like well but I know my partner intimately I know what they need at every moment of every day and that's what I need them to know about me I don't want to have to do the communication and then obviously as a yeah 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 grown and recovered Mm myself and developed as a fucking human being thank Mm -hmm. god um it's to me now that is romance like it's feeling safe communicating with feeling safe to to have that communication to be in that space with them and I totally I was exactly the same I one like I did have a wonderful relationship but one of the things that I boiled it down to the essence of why it worked so well is because he could read my mind because he knew what I wanted Mm. and that was such a dangerous lesson for me to take on and the whole thing about romance being easy spontaneous just this synergy of two souls from the off is such a dangerous message to people and I think also for me that really boiled over into my sex life I was like two people should just get into bed it should just be absolutely perfect whatever the fuck that means when and you know my job as a woman is to um service them to look hot to be a role and if what they've read from me is incorrect and I'm not enjoying it then that's just my bad and I think that for me and a lot of my friends and people that I've spoken to the intimacy, talking about what you want in the bedroom or what you want in a relationship. The reason we find that so hard is because we are so hypervigilant, usually from some kind of trauma. So we're very sensitive and we're people pleasers. So we will do anything to, it's not even to not upset other people, it's so they think well of us. <laughs> really, that's what it boils down to. So actually we put our, we, if someone were to say something to us, we would take it so to heart that we imagine that that's what the other person would feel. So actually, I don't want to tell you that I don't like this because then you'll get upset and maybe you'll respond negatively because that's how I would. 
But then the more that you're open and honest and practice those things and put boundaries in, and the more you're choosing people who are suitable for you, so then you can communicate and have that met with, okay, cool. It's like, what a revelation. And it just opens up, like you say. Yeah, and that's romance is... Such a revelation. Oscar Wilde says the essence of romance is uncertainty. And I totally understand that because it's, I think that's the honeymoon period is just still figuring them out. There's still that thing of, Mm. oh, maybe they won't like me, maybe. uh, But I think on the flip of that, maybe it's intimacy rather than romance, which feels, I think I now get off on, rather than getting off on uncertainty, I get off on safety and feeling secure and all of those things. I don't know if your perception of it's changed as well. Yeah, so I think for me it's that like baseline of security, feeling safe, feeling solid, um, able to communicate with somebody. They feel safe to communicate with me. They can tell me what is and isn't working for them. And like in that way we can kind of hold each other and then there's kind of the twist, yeah. which is like, I guess, like the Esther Perel vibe, mm. which is maybe links in with the whole uncertainty yeah. thing, is is the spontaneity, is keeping it fresh, is making sure that you are not, not only doing like the day-to-day life stuff, but making sure that you, you know, you surprise each other, you still make an effort for each other, mm-hmm. you still make time to see each other when you've got some fucking energy left. And and like mm-hmm. that to me is very much is the combination of the two because that's it's just that's just a fucking mm. magical relationship. Like if you have that with someone, I think yeah, that really describes like ultimate romance. You know, that's somebody that you can connect with on all levels on the exciting level. Yeah, but also that, building the foundation the and then having you the knowledge to be spontaneous in the right ways with one another yeah it's like the it provides a a solid foundation for like a jumping off point for more exciting things because how we've always lived before and I kind of love the foundation metaphor is like we've always just been on such fucking shaky ground and we've been trying to like jump off and do exciting things from this very shaky unstable ground and it's the it's the wrong way around and I think for me what I would do is I would try and have just the romance. I didn't want to get to know them. I just wanted to have the, um, you know, back in the day, the relationship status change on Facebook. Like I'd never put that I'm in a relationship on Facebook. Now I'm in a belly use Facebook, but you know what I mean? And it's, it's like all of the, the outer things and wanting them to tell me that they love me or wanting them to do X, Y, and Z, which I think, fall under the umbrella of that very traditional valentine's day stuff but did i want them to truly ever see me no no i didn't Mm. and i think the reason that my relationship at the moment is Mm. like so fabulous for me is because i'm really putting in all the groundwork i'm really putting myself out there at the right time and having the difficult conversations and communicating and communicating and all of that stuff so then you just have wonderful times and having like monthly relationship check-ins and all that stuff which to me is the antithesis of romance it's not spontaneous it's very measured it's very considered stuff that gives me the ick my cool girl is still screaming out on the inside like this is not what romance is this is not but if you build all that and you invest in one another then you really know each other and the romance just fucking flows. And it isn't all saved up for one day of the year when you know how to do it because somebody's told you on the television, on an advert, how to do it. It's like, oh, here's an extra special day where we can do a little bit more for one another. But what is, what would you say, what or who is your romance? start that again who or what is your reference for romantic love would you say um oh that one's like I find that one super hard because I don't know if I have one Mm. I don't know if I 
because I've I've seen very few healthy relationships modeled in my life um yeah I don't know if I have one on the topic of Mm -hmm. idols um because obviously I went to see them last night so I'm now their you know number one fan um sure sure and this is what I do with everything, like TV shows, bands, everything. I'm like, okay, I need some background information on you. I need to read some interviews. I need to know who you are as people. I need your process, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I need the history of this show. Like, So I did a little bit of research this morning. I read an interview with them. And the, um, the singer of Idols, Joe, Joe he's, there was this quote, and it was like, to me I was like it, it's that I think if it was like romance it's and I think particularly it come coming from a man mm-hmm. um I, I think a straight man like he's in a like hetero relationship um he said something like how thrilled he was to be a parent because they had a stillborn baby before mm-hmm. they had their daughter that they have now and he said like just how thrilled he was to be a parent and he was like I get up every day and I strap her onto my chest and I do chores and I could change nappies all day with a smile on my face Mm. and it's like somebody who's just somebody who's just fucking like in their life like he he's in his life fully in his life with his family he did leave his wife he's thrilled just to be yeah (laughs) I don't know if they're back together now, but he did leave her for a okay. bit, yeah. <laughs> but like Bowen, Bowen's still Bowen's know, been married like just, for years and he's got like, a little baby. Let's choose Bowen Bowen instead of Joe. <laughs> even just like because I this is this is a conversation I've been having so much recently with various people. I'm so bored of like straight men not being into their family that they chose to have Mm. like it being a burden and just to see somebody who is like fucking rocking out like a badass and somebody that you would never expect Mm. to be excited to go home and do the mundane stuff and Mm. be a dad just that to me was like yeah, someone who's committed to that, someone who even whether his relationship worked out or not, like even just with his kid, I don't know, it's kind of that, I don't know, it's weird because there's so, I see so little romantic love work This is out the thing, isn't it sad? Isn't it sad that that's the exception to the rule that we're holding up this one man that's just yeah. very baseline saying, I love my child. <laughs> and I want to help out with the housework like that is to me absolutely yeah, devastating I'm interested in being a father yeah and I from I yeah you know there's whenever someone says that their parents are still together I am aghast I find it and me and my sister were talking about this that like I don't I'm really having to remodel and rewire my brain into thinking that a long-term relationship can be more than something that lasts five years. And that's why I'm doing all this fucking work in the beginning, because I just have no reference point in my life to long-term lasting love and romance. And it fucking does exist. But I think quite rightly, Mm. there was a push against the fact that people couldn't get divorced So then I think like with everything, it went from one extreme to the other, which is you are locked in this for life, no matter how toxic and mentally draining this relationship is for you to, you've got freedom. You don't have to stick around. If times get tough, you can fucking leave. And I think that people kind of went with that sometimes too far and it, it, and it became, and I'm not, you know, I'm saying, look, a lot of relationships need to end and people can love for a certain time and all of that but I think there's definitely a trend of well I can just leave I can just leave the relationship and people don't actually take time to figure out whether it is something that can be worked on and you know a lot of the advice I hear from people that Mm. aren't successful long-term relationships is you you're just going to fall in love with a different person continuously because we change and evolve so much 
And I think that in terms of the dad thing, to me, it's an extreme version of that, which is, you know, traditionally it is the dad that leaves. And if it is a woman that leaves the relationship, everyone is up in fucking arms. How could she do that? How could she leave the relationship? What about all these men? They're leaving a trail of families in their wake that can just cut ties and do the least. And it makes me really sad. But also there's a lot of things that have been passed down to me that the book stops with me and my sister. And we're making such conscious choices to not hand down any kind of body shaming to our children if we have them to present love and what that means and and, and the difficulties along with all the amazing things. And I, yeah, I, I do find it hard. There's this block in my mind, which is, well, it's probably not going to last forever because love doesn't do that. That's not what happens. And it, yeah, I think the tide just starting to turn for me. But I, you know, for a long time, if I ever envisioned having a child, it was me as a single mum. That's how I imagined having babies. I just could not conceive the notion of having a straight man <laughs> stick around through all of that shit. And I was watching, what were we watching the other day? The Robin Williams documentary. And that he was with his wife for a long time and then he went off with the nanny. And I actually couldn't imagine anything worse. Mm. Being in that vulnerable state of just having had a child and then your partner goes off with the fucking nanny. It was like, I watched it, it was like a knife in my gut. It was just my worst fear realised. And I, and the other thing is, I've always left relationships, which I used to wear as a badge of honour, but actually I'm quite ashamed of now, because I never, I was never aspirational in terms of what it was that I wanted in a partner. So I was always disappointed. Mm -hmm. Or I was if I felt I was being seen for me, I'd run because I thought, oh, well, they'll then they'll leave me. So it's just I've never had that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's really fucking sad. It's really sad, I think. Yeah, I I just... <laughs> it's <clears throat> So a couple of things I want to circle back to that you said that I think were super interesting. So, like, I quite often hear in my work that people's parents are still together and you said like you're gobsmacked if you feel if people's parents are together I'm just suspicious right. <laughs> it's always the first thing yeah, that people say to yeah. me kind of say to me like a, a question that I always ask is tell me about your relationship with your parents specifically your dynamic with them and their dynamic with each other and quite often I hear the first thing I hear is mom and dad are still together because mm. that's always like it's like badge yeah, of honor yeah. There must be something good about right. that. And immediately I'm suspicious because if you're coming to work mm. with me, I'm I'm gonna assume, and I'm I mean obviously I don't assume, I wait for the information, but I can guess that there's probably some dysfunction there and maybe some that you haven't even spotted. Mm. I'm like, just because your parents are together, it doesn't mean they're happy, it doesn't mean they're healthy, it doesn't mean that they want to be together, or it doesn't mean that they figured out how to be great parents to mm. you. Like it's really a baseline. It's just the fact that they managed to stay in a contract for a long time. Like, <clears throat> um, and I'm going to hashtag a controversial disagree yeah, go, go. on the whole divorce piece. Um, as a divorcee, mm. I, I think the availability of divorce is actually now really creating a bit of a revolution in the world of heterosexual Mm -hmm. people specifically um because I think I think like I don't know I just feel like there's this kind of head of steam now coming Mm -hmm. with like for heterosexual women that have been in monogamous relationships who are being like it's not only that I can leave, it's that I don't even want to fucking start something with you because you're not showing, why would I sign a lifelong, supposedly lifelong contract with somebody mm-hmm. that isn't even tripping over the bare minimum? Mm-hmm. But I think I think that applies to not just marriage, to long-term relationships. And I, yeah, I, I think, this is the thing, I think that I 
not only see the value, I think it was a positive, as you say, revolution that began that was, oh my God, we can leave unhealthy, unhappy relationships. I think that is wonderful. I think that is invaluable. I think that is something that needs to stay. I'm not even sure how long in the grand scheme of humans that marriage will stay around. I think we're already finding different ways to show and value and honour love long-term for people. I agree with all of that and I think it is incredible. However, I know that I have spoken to people in my life who have a sense of regret Mm. that almost that divorce was the only option granted to them. That almost, I think it's more that because that was such a a push for that, because suddenly all Mm. these people rose up and saw it was such a positive thing, I think that's the extreme that I mean is it was almost like that's the only option available. Whereas I think Mm. now what's coming into the fore more is, oh no, communication. And it doesn't Mm. even have to be with a therapist or a coach, but I think that is highly valuable. And if you can, you should, because I always think that an objective party is fantastic. But even before you get to that, communicating Mm. and having a space where, you don't let things fester into resentment and then feel unfulfilled. You create a space where you can say all those things that you haven't even said up to that point and see how that's received and then give that back to someone as well. So I think it's more that that I'm talking about. I'm not down on divorce. I think divorce is a magnificent thing. And I think it's released a lot of people from, yeah, really unhappy places in their lives. But I think it was almost because it was so... Um, yeah in the media I, and so exposed that that the people only went for that and then looked back and thought do you know what if we'd have just had a fucking chat a real difficult uncomfortable chat yeah. maybe we could have salvaged something and I think maybe this is where that like reckoning is coming in and it kind of circles back around mm. what you were speaking about when we when we were talking about like what is romance and we were talking about setting foundations and having conversations and being open with people is like Mm. part of that reckoning I think is this uh, the willingness but also the expectation that we will be having serious conversations from a very early stage in our relationship yeah we're not we're not going to wait until we're thinking about getting married we're not going to wait until we're married and we're at crisis point like I need Mm. to be having these conversations with you now, like Mm. a few weeks and a few months into a relationship. Like this is how we're going to set this whole thing up from the get go. Yeah. That not only means that you get to know if this, how good of a match this person is for you, but Mm. if they are a good match, then you get to actually set up the sustainable future. It's not to say everything's always going to be perfect in your relationship, but you've, you've got something to come back to like there's some substance there because that's how you set it up in the Mm. first and I think that was not how relationships were set up honestly until this generation it was just they were they were arbitrary or they were accidental or they were logistical because somebody got pregnant or Mm. whatever Mm. or because you know it was getting late in your life i.e you know you were mm. 25 and unmarried so find somebody mm. quick like yeah it, yeah. yeah the change that happened like from my grand's generation who's still alive who's in her 90s um mm. to my generation and like mm. we're not even the youngest generation like there are I know ass adults who are below us right now disgusting the fact <laughs> that those people are now absolutely disgusting anyone born in the 90s not allowed um um but like the fact that those two sets of people are alive on earth at the same time is wild to me it fucking blows my mind and like the difference in their experience is Mm. yeah next level staggering yeah I I think that we are definitely for me anyway and you know I think I've become a different person thank hallelujah in my lifetime and I think a lot of people for me now it's all about prevention rather than cure in terms of relationships and I learned so much from my last relationship about my codependency and just Mm -hmm. absolutely made a pact with myself 
that I was going to do everything differently. And I think the reason people don't do things in that way, and I didn't, is because of that fear that there is a finite amount of people out there that people will not fulfill. You won't find someone that fulfills all your needs, that you're lucky, that the older you get, the the less picky you should be. All of those things contribute to you thinking, I actually just need them to like me. I just like this person, so I need them to stick around. Rather than, like you said, is this person a match for me? Is this actually the person that I want to be with? Or am I just trying to turn myself into someone that they want me to be because I want to tick boxes and have someone to sleep next to at night? You know, once I'd really made peace with the fact that I might not find anyone for 10 years, but I'd rather that than be in myriad or even one unhappy relationship just because then I found someone because I was so aligned with the things that I was not going to fucking budge on and like I say dating aspirationally rather than from this place of necessity which is filled with one of the most unattractive things which is desperation desperation ain't fucking hot <laughs> no odor desperation stinks <laughs> nobody wants it pong whiffy <laughs> <laughs> um so what we're talking about we're talking about um yeah not being scared that people won't love us basically and that they'll run away so i just had a final thought on what you were saying so it's not only like desk sorry not only dating aspirationally but also willing to let go of anyone that isn't a match for you mm-hmm. at the earliest sign mm-hmm. um which I know is something that both of us did last year before we yeah. got into the relationships that we're in now and again like in those moments and for relatively short moments like tiny tiny blips on my radar devastated just Mm. for a little minute, just for a few days or a few weeks. Mm -hmm. But thank fuck. Mm. Thank fuck. And it just, it did something, it did so much for me to be able to do that. It confirmed my sense of self-worth. It confirmed what I wanted in a person. And so then when that person came along, Mm. I couldn't have been more ready. And I think you were the same. Oh my God, exactly the same. And yeah, I mean, you know, I would get gut feelings and I'd go with them because I've had enough experience now to know that sticking through a gut feeling when you see a red flag, whatever that red flag is for you specifically, that it never fucking works. It never works out. And this isn't me being, you know, I'm not saying, oh God, your hair wasn't the right length or it's no, they spoke to me in a certain way. And I thought, I don't like that. Or they said something that was, you know, doesn't align with my values as a person and is something that I can't get on with. And I'm very attuned to these things. But for a long time, I ignored it or I went the other way and went committed more to that person. And yeah, it really, you know, there was some delicious looking treats put in front of me. But I had a little nibble and it didn't taste right. So I spat it out again, you know, and I'm not talking about their penises. I just mean as a metaphor for them as people. But yeah, I mean, I went on some great first dates. I had a couple of times with people. I had one guy who was really into me. who was like aesthetically everything I looked for and had a lot of potential. But he was a fucking mess and he wasn't ever... Well, he certainly wasn't going to sort himself out. And it was like things that if I told some people, they'd say, oh, really? Is that enough of a reason? Yeah. Yeah, because I know what it is that I want. And I, you know, I feel very, very lucky to be with who I am in the relationship that I'm in at the moment. But also, I mean, part of it is look because they're a wonderful person. But the other part of it is not look at all because I did the fucking work. I said no to the things that I didn't want to keep myself open to the thing. And I had complete faith that I'd find them, but I also didn't have a ticking time bomb going on. I'd removed that. It was, I'm going to date to really finesse what it is that I do and don't want. And then that makes it more clear 
the person that you want and the person that also, more importantly, you want to be in that relationship as well. It's both of those things combined. And, you know, I quite a few of my friends have said to me, you are what I hold up to be not settling. Like you are the thing that I look to for not settling now because of what you found. And also I have to say my partner has put the fucking work in as well. We've both for the past five years just been tirelessly working on ourselves. And that was something that, that was the one thing for me that I did feel a bit despondent about occasionally, which was I was meeting these men and they were just light years behind me in terms of their self-work work and the work and and I just I did get to the point where I thought am I ever going to find someone I'm in a fucking 12-step program all I do is look at my shit and amend my fucking behavior and I'm a woman <laughs> do you know what I mean like fucking hell am I ever going to find anyone who's got that insight and does the work daily and I did because what you put out, you're met with. But if you keep blocking it with dickheads and not allowing the the good people to come through, you're never going to find it. And yeah, like you've done the same. And it was nice for us to champion one another. And, you know, that's why it's so important to have that community around you of people to just be a mirror and say, mate, nah, you deserve better than that. Or that's not the person for you or keep holding on. Um, but also to be real, yeah, just to be, I need people to say you're being a dickhead or that date was being a dickhead to you to like bounce that off, mm. you know? Yeah. And it's so wild, isn't it? Like what you said about those initial like red flags very early on, mm. it is truly wild how we see something that, and as you said, it's not, we're not talking about superficial stuff. We're talking about stuff that actually like sets your teeth on edge a little bit or like yeah. makes your tummy turn or that you can't let go of like you just can't stop thinking about it it just really doesn't feel good to you and this is within like a few days or weeks of knowing a person mm. and we think somehow that if we amplify that by time <laughs> and effort it's yeah. better <laughs> no like if somebody's a twat and speaks to you speaks down to you or speaks to you with contempt that's not going to get better the more time you spend with them. No, because you're on your best behaviour on dates. So that's the tip of the fucking iceberg. They're showing you who they really are. If If that's what they're showing you on their best day in a limited amount of time, on your best day, hopefully, because, you know, you're hopefully, like, bringing, bringing your, you know, top, top five percentile to a date. Like, then how is that ever going to get better? And we just, we have to be so willing to let something go Mm. at those earliest signs. Um, Yeah, there's just so much. Having said that, Mm -hmm. I met my partner three years ago. (laughs) We went on a date Mm -hmm. and it didn't work out because we were in such different places in our lives. And I think that's hilarious. Like I went on Hinge, I saw this fit guy Mm -hmm. and I thought he's really fit. I'm going to send him a little message. And then he was really funny. And then he, uh, I had COVID, so I couldn't go on the date with him, but I didn't want him to think I was pieing him off. So then I, uh, sent him my number and I said look I'm going to be moving back to Leeds in a couple of weeks like let's meet up and then he sent me a message and I was like that was a really nice message put my phone down why is his number in my phone what the hell and why is he text me he's not an 84 year old nana what the hell went onto my whatsapp and then there was all these messages we'd been on a date I'd made an excuse to leave the fucking date that's how not into it I was And then the only reason that I went on the date was because I thought it'd be a funny story for this podcast. (laughs) And then we met up and we just had the best date. And then, um, and then we went out dancing and then we took it pretty slow and yeah, I was doing everything differently. And then my anxious attachment style came out a lot in the beginning but I mainly voice noted you about that and just powered through. 
and then got to this place of yeah that you know when you open up and you say really how you feel one another, about one another in dating and then it kind of you go from there but um I just I just fucking love the fact that this person who is so perfect for me and the reverse we met and it just wasn't we just weren't in the right space for it and that kind of completely shat on everything that I thought about people and relationships and the romantic side of mm. things. And if that brings me on to my next question, which is, do you believe in love at first sight? I think I know the answer to this. 